Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's My Pop's Culture. Starring my son, Ben, and me, his dad. Do you really have to say it like that, Dad? With our guest star, Trixie Mattel. So, Ben, let's start our engines and not drag on anymore. I think your puns are dragging. Did you watch Drag Race this weekend? Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. I'm asking a question. Did you watch Drag Race this weekend? You know we watched it together, right? Okay. I'm trying to make a conversation here for the viewers that would be interesting as if we haven't seen each other in a week. And now you're like, you're losing all the magic here than what we're trying to create on this podcast. I'm just, I'm painting you as the very attentive father that really values his time with his children. That he, he forgets that we actually watched the episode together. Which one are you? Are you, are you the middle child or the, the oldest one? I forget. I'm the oldest child. Oh, okay, that's Hopefully right. Thanks that for jogging your memory. Thanks for jogging my memory. When when we're finished this podcast, maybe you want to put me in a home with my dementia. Would that help you? I mean, if they have enough room for all this stuff at the home. No, oh, that's really funny. That's really funny. Yes, we watched Drag Race together. Yeah, we had good father-son bonding time watching Drag Race. Drag Race is really funny because Drag Race, it's it's not just for the queer community anymore, is it? No. Isn't that a great, uh, what would it be, like a tagline, drag race? No longer just for the queer community. Everybody loves drag race. Yeah, it's hard to find, like, so many of my friends, I feel like, are love drag race. You know what the interesting thing with drag race is? It's not just about the drag. It is about people overcoming obstacles in their lives. Yeah, well, I think that's what makes it a lot more accessible to a larger community because it's not just focused on this this one thing. It breaks it down to like these are just human beings; they're real people, right? And and it's really the past ten years of drag have really changed in society. I remember in the eighties, your mom and I we would go the odd time. There was a it wasn't even called drag; it was called field female impersonator shows. And your mom and I would go. It'd be like an evening at La Cage, and you go for drinks. 
Mm-hmm. You sit at a table and um, guys would come out dressed as Tina Turner or Bette Midler or Joan Rivers and lip sync. Oh, so, so not as like, not as, you know, personality. No, they didn't have their own persona. They were kind of like lookalikes. And it was the, the illusion was, oh my God, you know, he looks just like Carol Channing. Do you know who Carol Channing is? No. Oh, you should. You should Google Carol Channing. Okay. Anyways, it was more about the illusion. Not just the illusion that it looks like a woman. It was the illusion of they were looked just like a like Dolly Parton. But now it's become and and it was kind of like I guess there was the heterosexual drag thing where you would where the heterosexual community would go see drag as a female impersonator shows and the queer community would go and see drag at a drag ball. Mm-hmm. And within their own community. And within the past 10 years, both those communities have really nicely melded together where everybody can enjoy drag as an art form. Yeah. As an entertainment. There's an appreciation. There isn't a, um, there's not necessarily like a queer stigma about it anymore. Does that make sense? No, I agree with that. I mean, I, I feel like the, like RuPaul's Drag Race normalized drag to a very large extent yes. for a larger audience and to the point right. where it's like uh, certain drag names drawn crowds and it's not, you're not getting drawn into a crowd based on the fact of like, Oh, this person looks like Tina Turner come here. Right. Right. You're enjoying drag because of who the persona is that they created yeah. their own drag persona. And there's so many different personas and personalities out there that it's like, who do you, who do you have an affinity towards or who do you root for? Or who makes you laugh more? Or who do you feel is the most entertaining? Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also funny because I feel like, on one hand, I think RuPaul helped normalize it. And then I think certain like social media platforms, for example, also just helped popularize it to an even larger extent and helped gain that audience as well to, to increase that normalization and that respect and desire for these personas. You know what I find really interesting with drag? I feel if you go on, like you're saying, all these social media platforms, if you go onto Instagram or YouTube, which is interesting, there's like sites called drag drag over my dad or straight guys doing drag and it's a really interesting thing to watch i think drag is i look at it as a very empowering superhero type of thing mm-hmm. it's this alter ego yeah and this gives them such um is that adulation is that the word drag i think drag gives people who were bullied and um were poked fun at or parents kicked them out of their house or they didn't feel accepted in their home or their community or their school gives them such adulation now and gets them empowered. And it's almost like your alter ego. Mm-hmm. Like if you watch some of these videos of straight guys getting into drag or dads getting into drag, they become a whole different person. It's yeah, well, pretty amazing. Well, even because RuPaul did a season, was it the celebrity drag yes. race where they had a lot of straight men on that, yes. that show going into drag and you saw that the transformation they went through yes. as soon as that persona came out. That's right. And I think you look at kudos to RuPaul, man, like to do Drag Race, which is really um, breaking barriers mm-hmm. to, and I hate using the word normalization, but it becomes, let's use the word mainstream. Drag Race has become so mainstream now on television and it's one Emmys. Yeah. Like changing the platform, changing the platform, elevating the platform for the queer community, elevating the platform of acceptance well, it's like drag has always been a part of pop culture, but what's changed is our perception towards it in the pop culture sphere. That's true. That's true. 
Have you, this is the most serious we have ever spoken on our podcast. And we're speaking about something that's actually so colorful and fun, yet we're so serious about it. Well, let's have some fun with it then. This conversation's kind of a drag. Anyway. The other thing cool with drag is that they've come up with these catchphrases on drag race, right? Yeah. Like, first of all, drag is all about lip syncing, right? So it's like, lip sync for your life. The time has come for you to lip sync for your life. Good luck and don't. It up. But is it and start your what's the other one? Start your engines. Start your engines. May the best woman win. Yes. Um, and then they say something like, "See, the first few seasons of Drag Race, he said you're you got you're getting she male, and I think the community didn't like that. I think the transgender community started to complain about the term she male. Mm-hmm. So he's so RuPaul changed it to she already heard to her. What is it? I never, I never, I never understand. Know what she's saying there? She already had hers. So what is it? She already, she already done had. She already into hers had the house. I, I only the only part I understand is the she already, but then I don't really know the end of it. I love the parts when the the what is that thing? The sound effect goes. What does that sound they do? Yeah! Yeah! Woo! Woo! The uh, the siren goes. Oh, when they have mail. A siren goes. No, and the, and all the drag queens are like, Woo! like they're all like, like so they get so excited. And when RuPaul walks out in his suit, it's like, Woo! they're all excited. Yeah. Am I? Am I? You're adjusting the volume right now, aren't? Yeah, you? I'm turning mine down because that's busting my eardrums. Okay, but anyways, I think like it's become so pop. Like drag has been has be, drag has become pop culture, and all the things that they do in drag. RuPaul's Drag Race has become pop culture. Lip sync for your life. You know, she already into her, whatever they say. Yeah. You know, start your engines. This is all part of drag now. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's, drag is pop culture. RuPaul's contributed so much to pop culture. The drag queens themselves are pop culture. And then I think, you know, I'm excited. The fact that I think we're talking with the one of the biggest drag queens, I think, out there right now. I, I would say. The biggest. Biggest, biggest amount of followers. Yeah, biggest following. Oh, that's the term, biggest following. Did I say biggest amount of followers? I think it's, it's the same, you're saying the same thing. You're not. If I say biggest followers, it's almost like body shaming. You can't say that anymore. Wait, uh. You don't laugh at my jokes anymore. Well, when they're funny, I laugh at them. And when they're not funny, jokes. I don't laugh at them. Let's just talk about our guest. Thank you. Yeah, well, our, our guest today has the biggest following. Yes. Out of all the, the current drag queens out there today. Yes. Do you want to introduce who it is? Trixie Mattel is our guest. How cool is that? How cool? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, it's crazy that she's doing the podcast. Why? I just think that she has such a big following. And now she's coming on our little, uh, you know, oh, father and son in the basement you're, podcast. You're downplaying our podcast. Our podcast is huge. And now we've got Trixie Mattel tuning in to chat with us. You know what? She's, she's taken the platform to something else. When you have... 2 million plus viewers on YouTube, on Instagram, following you, whether you're queer, whether you're straight, you know, you have DragCon, which is, you know, conventions where families go to. Like, she does some amazing stuff, um, and she's got a huge amount of followers. She's very, very bright. Yeah. Very bright individual. And I think also, too, she's, her makeup is very extreme, but her personality is very down to earth, yeah. I think. Now, I'm excited to talk to her today. How are you going to introduce? Let me hear how you're going to introduce Trixie Mattel. How are we going to introduce? I want to see how I want to see how you're how clever you're going to be. 
okay, I'll wait. Okay. Yeah, tell me when I tell me when you're ready so I can shave because right. I'll grow a beard by the time this I'll, is. I'll so tell you when I'm ready. <laughs> oh, is it, oh, isn't oh that clever? Oh my God, that clever. is so clever, Ben. Not as clever as my drag line. But anyways, oh. let me see your introduce, introduction to Trixie Mattel. What have you learned from your dad about clever introductions, clever lines? Go. Okay. Go. Let's bring on Trixie Mattel. Yeah, so bad. So bad. Okay, so then you do it. Well, you... take a line from Drag Race. Okay, what, what line should I take from Drag Race? Start your engines. May the best Trixie win. No, just start your engines. Here's Trixie Mattel. Start your engine. Here's Trixie Mattel. Say it like RuPaul and raise your arm. You got to raise the arm. I'll raise my arm for the, the people that are listening on the podcast. Start your engines. Here's Trixie Mattel. Girl, you better work. That's good for me. Let's get into it. Okay, what button do you push to get Trixie on board? Am I pushing your buttons yet, Ben? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ben, do you want to start it? You start, yeah, we can you start, start it. Ben. You start it. Let's start it. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Trixie. Sure. Happy to be here. I put foundation on my arms for this. <laughs> Trixie, quick question I have for you, just to start this whole thing off, because we know that you. You are a pop culture icon. You collect pop culture. So the question is, Trixie, what is pop culture? Well, anything that hits, don't you think? A commercial jingle, a character from a TV show. A lot of times when you think of pop culture, you think of things that are meant to be quotable or memeable. But how many things end up accidentally being in the zeitgeist, truly? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... I think great examples of pop culture would be like Sex in the City. Everybody knows, although they at least know if they're a Samantha or a Carrie. You know what I mean? Whether or not you've even seen it. Right. Yeah. Or Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where it has this huge impact. Or The Sopranos, Change Television Forever. Yes. Um, I think those are all good good uh, examples. One Hit Wonders are great for a great culture. Do you think you're, you're Do you think you're a part of pop culture? I think I'm probably one of the most iconic cross-dressers that's ever lived. Look at the material. I mean, <laughs> mama. <laughs> um, and I know that I'm accidentally culture because I innocently uh, was on Netflix, uh, turned on that program. What's that new program with the two girls? It's like Georgie and Jess or something. Oh, Ginny and Georgia. Yes. The girls are in the mirror in this scene, high school girls putting on contour. And she goes, what do you think? Kylie. And the other girl goes, mm, Trixie Mattel. And so my name being used as uh, bullying, that's pop culture, mama. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's really cool. Like to be referenced. Yeah, like uh, I'm very fortunate because I think that obviously, I think because I look like a literally a freak from hell. Bob says I look like a Cabbage Patch doll who lurks at the Mac counter. I think that's pretty accurate. (laughs) Uh, Even if you don't know anything about me, I think as a drag queen in a police lineup, your mom might still be like, oh, that's Trixie Mattel. That's the only one I know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, that makes that's what makes you unique, Trixie, as well. Like you've got a very specific look. Yeah. I mean, it's and uh, honestly, it's I get the last laugh because this look is so psycho, but I paraded it in front of people long enough that it's normal to them now. Yes. I mean, my makeup used to be quite a topic of conversation, and unless you're like a random straight person watching one of my YouTube videos, I don't think people even think about it. They're like, oh, that's her face. That's what she looks like. But that's that's that says a lot. That says like it's not that it's a normalization. It's about recognition now, and it's yeah. about part of. It's like watching Housewives now. Andy Cohen has made jokes about being cross-eyed. Yes, 
And then the more I watch him, the more I'm like, is he? He kind of is, isn't he? Or are the rest of us like fish-eyed? And he's the only normal one. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? The more I take it in, the more I'm like, Andy, you're not cross-eyed. The rest of us are cross-eyed. But I guess that's what I think culture would, or like pop culture would be, is it's sort of, I mean, isn't the Pine Sol lady pop culture, progressive flow? Yes. Yeah. They didn't know they were going to be pop culture, but they are. Yes. So it's just hits. It's whatever hits. Makes sense. And Trixie, I'm curious, like, what's been the progression of drag in pop culture? Well, it's funny because I've been doing drag uh, just shy of, God, I'm kind of aging myself here, but about 14 years, which is, you know, two years in dog years or whatever. <laughs> and I think that drag queens, I mean, I remember, I was doing drag before Drag Race, so I remember not being cool to anyone. I remember bars barely paying drag queens. I remember doing drag in the show, and then after the show, no one wants to talk to you because you're a freak. Mm-hmm. We're the only, we're, it was the drag queens, the trans people, anybody who is the gender other, we were huddled in the corner because nobody in the gay bar wanted to talk to us. So I remember when drag queen was not only not pop culture, not cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, RuPaul and Tuong Fu were probably the only references people would know. Mm-hmm. But our understanding of drag has changed so much because people go, I don't know anything about drag. I don't like drag. It's like, well, do you like Mrs. Doubtfire? Do you like the movie White Chicks? Do you like Medea? Then you do like drag. You're just not calling it drag. Mm-hmm. And then when you take the gender out of it, the wig or like the glamour, mm-hmm. you realize like, oh, wow, Lady Gaga's a drag queen. Pee Wee Herman's a drag queen. Right. Yeah. Elvira's a drag queen. People are really doing drag all the time. They just don't call it drag. Right. Elton John, come on. Huh. So, and then I think, luckily, because of television shows like Drag Race or yes. We're Here or Trixie and Katya, um, that becomes people's, like, they get their foot in the door. And then they realize there's so much more to it. Trixie, Ben and I were talking the other day about my generation and his generation and how drag played out. And in the 80s, I would say about over 30 years, 34 years ago, maybe, we would go to drag shows. And at the time in Toronto, they were called female impersonators. Yeah. And it was for for the heterosexual audience and it was like an evening at La Cage and you went to and it was more to see the magic of people imitating somebody somebody dressing up as Cher yeah somebody and and during that time so I feel there was this this divide there was this heterosexual community that went to these female impersonation shows and then there was the queer community that went to balls you know and and drag balls and I talk to me about those two communities in the 80s and when did they intersect or collide well, it's interesting because, you know, as a white passing drag queen, you have to acknowledge that all this language and culture that's trickled down has only been like a light, like lemon squeeze of this really potent culture, which was like black ball culture. Yes. And we get the little drops of that and then we drink it like manna from the gods. Yes. And then it trickles out of us to people, you know, someone's mom in Pennsylvania watching Drag Race on TV. And the next day she's like, I look sickening, honey. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. it's this great exchange of energy. Um, and you have to think like for female impersonators, like more than 10 years ago, the most well-paid drag queens were probably the ones that had a very compelling celebrity illusion. Think of like the Chad Michaels of the world, or I'm thinking of Hot Chocolate in Vegas who does Tina Turner. 
Um, you know, when I would go to Vegas, I would always go see the Divas Review, which was like, you yes. know, Fra- Frank Marino's. Frank Marino, Les Rivers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's pretty amazing. And because they're referencing celebrities, it's like if your grandma goes to that show, she understands the references because she knows what the real celebrities are. Right. So it's this great big in joke. But for me personally, I always, I wanted to impersonate somebody who was a celebrity. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I envisioned Trixie Mattel as a huge celebrity, gotcha. especially in her own mind. Yeah. Which I found comedic to kind of be no one and enter the room like I've arrived. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was attractive to me. But like, I, w- I would never really had a celebrity illusion. But if you're like a working drag queen, especially 10 years ago, a good celebrity illusion is probably like your meal ticket. Mm-hmm. You know, and even to this day, I mean, if you can do like a great Beyonce or something, you will make the most money doing that especially like a Hamburger Mary's or a gay bar. Right. If you come out and do like um, the crazy in love, like live live vocals with a microphone and you look like mm-hmm. Beyonce, right. you probably will make the most money that night. I, w- I was wondering like, what was drag like, like the first time that you ever performed? Um, The first time I performed, I mean, I started with the Rocky Horror Picture Show in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, So they have the world's longest running Rocky um, yes. screening on original film. Like, you know, with a white wall and Frankenfurter's black hair, there's like a green shadow because it's like original 1977 (laughs) film reel. Yeah. And um, I would go and my job was to dress up as whatever I wanted and harass people waiting in line. You know, we'd have hundreds of people per night, sometimes thousands waiting to get into this movie theater. Um, And then I would lip sync to science fiction double feature in the beginning of the show. And that was pretty much my whole job. And then when I started working in nightclubs, like... I remember my first performance I did was Material Girl by Madonna in like this, you know, it was pretty much like a, like a Madonna look, I guess. It was like a black 80s dress with like big magenta tulle and like, you know, black fishnet gloves. Mm -hmm. But um, that was probably my, I think that was my first performance. Yeah. I still love that song. Can't go wrong (laughs) with the classic, you know. How did drag race change how drag is perceived? That is such a nuanced question. Thank you for asking it. Oh, that was nice of me. Um, <laughs> sometimes I spook myself. I'm like, did that come out of my body? You're so sweet. <laughs> Somebody, 99% of the time I'm offending people. Then once in a while I say something nice and I'm like, ooh, I, gotta, I just got to chill. <laughs> um, I think that we all as gay people, cross-dressers, um, people with a different gender expressions, we owe Drag Race this debt on a personal note, Drag Race made it possible for me to travel the world and have be a homeowner and buy my mom a house and have a wonderful life. But on a greater scale, this show showed us as human beings, which I don't think had really ever been done on television. 90% of the episode, we're not in wigs. We're talking about ourselves, mm-hmm. our struggles, what we're good at, what we're proud of. We're having human connections with other people. It really demystified us And I think made drag easy to understand because average random straight people, when they see a wig and heels, they immediately think it's about sex. They think it's about like sex and drugs and rock and roll, which Mm -hmm, of course mm -hmm. it is. But it's simpler than that. It's like this isn't that far from a, a pop concert or clowning or... You know, it's it's all the same tools. You just call it drag and suddenly it's taboo. But it's like... Mm-hmm. Uh, Drag Race really made it so easy to understand and, like, accessible. 
Drag Race is probably the way your grandma found out about drag queens, that they're real people underneath. They're not all Mm -hmm. strung out messes, which many of us are, (laughs) but not everyone. I find drag, like to me, drag race is, is an onion with lipstick. Oh, meaning same. You're, you keep peeling back the layers. Like, I think it's a very deep show and it like, it's not a, it's not so much about drag as it is about the people. Yeah. Well, I agree with what you were saying, Trixie, where like, you know, you still have, have the showmanship of it, but it, it, has the spectacle in an area and then it's like let's just talk about human beings for an hour and then put on a great show yeah yeah i mean name one other show where men giving up their privilege their masculinity in a way Mm -hmm. and dressing up like a woman gives them power that doesn't exist anywhere else no and by blending by by one dressing as another gender we're acknowledging what the world thinks a woman looks like or thinks a man is supposed to be. And then when you start crossing those lines, you ask yourself, why are those lines there? Right. There's certain things we take for, we we think are permanent and unchangeable. And that's just like not the case. Once you realize, oh my God, George Washington wore a wig. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like um, people in like, you know, these people, these royal people used to wear gowns and high heel boots. And our makeup was originally worn by men. Yes. There's just so many things that you're like, this is all made up. And at its core, you're watching, like, of course, they're queer people, but you're watching artists yes. with a lot of conviction do what makes them really amazing. And that's why, even if you're a homophobe, I don't think you could watch Drag Race and still not be like, oh, right. that's amazing. These people are amazing. How are they doing this? And if you are a homophobe and you're do and you're not doing that, you're just an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> Re- yeah. really. Me, that's me. <laughs> I'm a huge homophobe. I just like the dresses. I'm just kidding. It's it's almost like you're there's construction on two sides. It's like one side we're watching people construct these personas for themselves, these, these drag queens, and we're also seeing the social norms being deconstructed at the same time. Totally, and it's through a screen, which makes people feel so safe. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you're a normal, a straight white man. You're so scared of asking questions, period, that you don't want to interact with a trans person or a drag queen or a gay person because you're afraid mm-hmm. of them and of you saying the wrong thing. But like, it's like my brother, he's five years older than me. He's like a three-time Iraq war veteran. He's an attorney. He's so smart and driven and rich and married straight out of high school. And when I came out to him, he was, uh, I would say, a little, whoa. Mm-hmm. And then when he was in law school, he made a best friend there who turned out to be gay. And then suddenly he didn't care at all. Mm-hmm. It was almost like for me to say I was gay was too close. But when he found it in the wild, it made everything click. And I think with Drag Race, mm-hmm. it creates the conversations without you having to have them. Like you go into the world with mm-hmm. a lot more POV. Yes. You shouldn't see a drag queen and be nervous. Unless you're afraid of clowns or something. I could see that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Babies cry when I hold them, but that's different. Do they? No, they don't. No, they don't. They do. Wouldn't you? Like 6'5". Look at, like, huge. Yeah, he's... T- what are you... T- you're tall, way taller than I am. Not way taller. Well, I'm you're like 5'11". You're... Uh, I don't know what you are. Well, we, on a good hair day, I'm 5'11". Yeah. yeah. You know, with, with, the, with, with the wig and the boots, I'm damn near <laughs> through the roof. And then it's wow. a baby, you know. When you're all made up, Trixie, how tall are you? It really depends. Like, today, if I had heels on, probably be... A pushing seven, probably pushing seven feet. People think I'm really small because I wear my makeup and hair and everything, so I'm big. So on camera, I look little. Right. Meet and greet, I swear to God, every city across the world, 
you're huge. Next person, you are way bigger than I thought you were. Wow. Next person, you are a giant. And I'm just like, okay, we all know I'm huge. Thank <laughs> Trixie, you so much. Trixie Mattal. Trixie, Trixie Mattal. There you go. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's interesting though. Um, Drag Race is really a gift. And I mean, it's, it's made it possible for people like me or Bob or Monet Exchange, so yes. many people to go on and create other projects yes. that show even more. I feel like the more we show of drag, the more people realize it was never that serious to begin with. Right, right. It's not threatening and it's not even hard to understand. Yep. And the only reason it's counterculture at all is because there's these invisible lines in place that mm-hmm. no one knows who put them there and everyone's afraid to move them. Like, who told you there was two genders? And see, that part of it, that part of it is sad for me because it it is so non-threatening. If anything, it's welcoming. Yeah, especially since drag queens, I mean, anybody who does comedy, we throw ourselves under the bus first. Yes, yes. I'm a man in a wig. Yeah. I, you should let me make fun of you because who cares what I think? I look crazy, you know? Yeah, And what I do like about it as well is, I mean, I do sometimes miss the mystery. Like, everybody didn't know about padding and corsets and right. contouring. And people didn't know, like, double stacking wigs. People do know our secrets a little bit. Right. A little more than I'd like now. But... Um, the magician's giving away the tricks a little bit. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because I'm not somebody who believes in male and female or anything like that. Or gay or straight. I think everything's, a, everything's in everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so... In order to cross-dress, you have to acknowledge the stereotypes in place. I'm dressing like a woman. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean? Small waist, big boobs, big lips, long hair, um, high heels. Yep. You have to acknowledge the binary in order to make fun of the binary, mm-hmm. which is really fun. It's like infiltrating it from inside out. It's like, well, when you look at me in drag, you see a woman. Mm-hmm. But why? Because I look crazy. You know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I love drag, and I always wanted to look like a drag queen. I never really wanted to look like a, a woman. I wanted to look like a, I wanted to be able to, from space, be like that is a man in a wig, because <laughs> that to me is so much more powerful than being just a person. You know. Um, first of all, Ben, we're I, I I'm having the best time with Drix yeah. right now because this is you never. I'm sorry, I talk a lot. No, no but we good. no. But here's what we we never know. But what, I'm really. I'm really educated, so you are. You know, like it's it's one thing to talk to somebody on a on a on the surface, but when you're able to have a conversation, go deep with something, that's just that's just bonus mm-hmm. for us. Ben, ask Trixie about some terms because we need we need we need some 
education here. Sure. Yeah. With some things. So okay. some drag terms that we yeah. were writing down. Yeah. Was it beat? Beat. What is beat? beat. Like beat. Okay. Um, it's it's both a verb and a noun. So your beat is your makeup. Like, you got to get into this beat. Look at this beat. It's like your makeup you did. But she beat her face. You know, she's beating her face. She's putting makeup on. Girl, you look beat. Is like your makeup is on. Or if your dad hits you, I was beat. Okay. <laughs> and and if for, if for us, like, beat means something else. Yeah. 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 Are you guys beat farmers or something? No, like... Like, oh, jerk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you yeah, can yeah. Also, yeah sure. Also <laughs> it's, a, it's a great thing to talk about with my dad sitting next to me. It is. Yeah, I, yeah. you're very brave. I like my mom completely in the dark. <laughs> my mom, I got to tell you, she, she's yeah. very supportive of me. She comes to my shows. That bitch could not care less. Really? I'm in a sold out venue in our hometown. She comes and she's like, I'm like, how was this show? She's like, people were laughing. Nah, you, we have to have a talk yeah. with her. We have to have a talk with your mom. Oh, she's not homophobic. She just doesn't think I'm funny. She doesn't think I'm funny at all. No, we have to put her straight because, like, you're you're the biggest thing out there right now. You know, hello. No, she's not to her. Not to her, bitch. We'll have a talk yeah. with her. Trixie, <laughs> Trixie, what's Kiki? I hear Kiki a lot. Kiki. Oh, okay. Like Kiki is like, um, you want to come over and Kiki, like, hang out, chill, like an after Kiki, like after bar, like after the bars are closed. You want to come over and Kiki before we go out? It's just like a low key hangout. Where's it come from? I have no idea. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. Uh, drag queens, we inherit a lot of these terms from whoever we heard it from. Yes. I remember being 21 and working in a club for the first time and hearing someone call me she in drag, and even that was like, oh wow, I guess in this world I'm a she. Right. Right. So so a lot of it you pick up so early, but I'm assuming all of it comes from African American ball culture. Yes. And we we get to enjoy it. And people should, we should make a mention to, you mentioned earlier about the balls. People really need to watch Paris is Burning. Yeah. And and watch that documentary and, and educate yourself of the origins of what we're watching today. I think a lot of times people see things today, but they don't know where it came from. And if you don't educate where something came from, then how can you appreciate the evolution? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was listening. My favorite RuPaul song is um, Looking Good, Feeling Gorgeous. I love that song. Yeah. Um, and there's a part where RuPaul goes, um, uh, touch all this skin, honey. You can't take it. You're just an overgrown orangutan. And it occurred to me, if you've never seen Paris is Bill, uh, Burning, you would think like RuPaul invented that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, RuPaul's smart yes. to capitalize on it. But the more you learn, the more you're like, oh, nobody invented anything. Right. And nothing really belongs to anyone. We're not going to be able to track who the first person was who said shade. Mm-hmm. We're never going to know. Ben, you asked this one because I don't. I think it's a bad word. Which but one? You, this? No, number that one. Four? Yeah, ask that. Is it Republican? <laughs> <laughs> no, we wouldn't dare say that word. No, that's really bad. Okay. Uh, the, uh, hunty. Oh, hunty. It's just like, a, I, don't, I don't know why drag queens put a T in the middle of things, but it's, it's honey. Hunty. Oh, so it's just, it's the word honey, but so the they, tea. with a T in it. it. Literally, that's it. Or um, I'm trying to think of what a good example of it would be. Uh, like, if you were at a show, a drag show, and someone's name is Trinity, you might hear the entertainer, the, the person go, up next on the stage, it is Trinity. Oh. I don't know why drag queens add T's to words. It's fun. I don't know why. I thought it meant something told. I meant, it like, you know what I Oh, I think it. I know what you're trying to get yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. What is explain to me? Because uh, also in Paris and Burden, the when you read someone, the library, I love that stuff. 
Yeah. What does what? Why do we do? Why why does it done it in that world? What is what? What's the point of it? Well, first of all, I think that there's a little bit of a misconception with reading because ninety nine percent of the time, reading is you don't really waste time reading someone you don't actually like. Right. So reading is a little, it's almost like a roast. Roast, like, mm-hmm. yeah. You wouldn't do it if you didn't actually love the person. Gotcha. So a read might be like, um, like the other day I was filming with Bob the Dry Queen. She borrowed me a gown. She was like, that looks good on you, tricks." I was like, yeah, I just had to, I just had to have it taken in. But yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a subtle way. She's like, you do not have to have it taken in. I was like, yeah, and I had enough fabric to go down to the women's shelter and do an entire <laughs> yeah. collection of caftans. You know, you're not right. calling her fat. Right. But she's also not fat. But even if she was, drag queens have that kind of rapport where it's just... Right. Where you can do a fun shot with someone you love. Yes. And every I mean, people don't remember. We were not celebrities that long ago. Right. No one liked us. No one paid us. The gay community barely claimed us. Mm-hmm. And so making fun of each other was a way to just pat each other's backs all day. Mm-hmm. We're not the type of people to be like, I love you. You're the best. Everything about you is great. Mm-hmm. She, like uh, reading is a, it's like a fun little activity to, because th- some girls on stage doing her lip sync and you have four minutes in a gown to stare at each other. You might as well make it fun. Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Okay. We got a few more questions on drag. Um, we have, to, okay. I don't know if you can help us out with this one. Okay. Do you want to say this one together, Ben? Because I can't, when we watch RuPaul, Okay. She yeah. already done has hers. She already done had hers. She already done had hers. Yeah. What does it mean? So that's actually not a drag. That's an example of RuPaul creating a phrase. That that was a RuPaul phrase. RuPaul says that it was, I think she was at a, a restaurant. It was a chicken restaurant. And a girl was serving up food. And RuPaul heard her say, no, she done already done had hers. And he that just like stuck in his mind. Oh, great story. And then he put it in the show. Wow. Oh. So that's an example of RuPaul like having a ripple effect. I'm sure he thought that would be like a throwaway comment. She already the hair hers. And now it's become yeah. some, a question. Mark. And some girl yeah. said that on the clock at a restaurant. That's Little amazing. Does she, know. she probably doesn't remember saying it. She's like that bitch. Yeah. She's coming for her royalty. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, how do what? How does somebody come up with the drag name? Well, there's kind of like the the stereotype way, which is like I think it's your street, and then your no, it's your your first pet, and then your street. But is that a drag or a porn name? I think it's either. Like my friend Iggy Azalea, you guys know the rapper? Yeah. Yes. Okay, Iggy was her first pet. Azalea is the street she grew up on. That's how she has this superstar name. Wow. But for me, I mean, I think I, I'm going to be honest. The only people who do that are people who don't do drag. Right. Nobody names themselves that way. That doesn't exist. Right. Um, I think for most people, we pick a name. A good drag name tells you everything you need to know before the, the performance starts. Mm-hmm. So if your name is like Anastasia Dupree Devereaux, you know it's going to be giant hair and fur and like diamonds and it's going to be like yes. opulent. Yes. If somebody's named Bob the Drag Queen, right. you know this is about to be idiotic. Right. Yeah. This person is about to act a fool. Um, with Trixie, I just kind of lucked out because Trixie was the name my stepdad called me when I was acting too feminine or too emotional. He would call me a little Trixie. And then Mattel was because my, I looked, I wanted to look like I came from a toy factory. Yes. And then it just has a, it has a ring to it. I remember I was on Facebook at the time, probably 2000, I don't know, nine. And I couldn't make a Facebook for drag without a last name. And I was like, I don't have a last name. 
okay, what, what would my manufacturer be? Right. Hasbro, whatever. Oh, Mattel, Trixie Mattel. Mm-hmm. I had no idea it was going to have such a nice flow to it. People remember it when they hear it. Trixie, I want to ask, you just said something really, really interesting. I want to step back and ask you about that. You mentioned that your stepdad used to call you Trixie when you were acting too feminine or too dramatic. How Drama? Me? Yeah, drama, yeah. How, how did you feel when he would call you Trixie? I mean, that's what's funny about it is um, I, I picked it because, A, I was in the Rocky Horror Picture Show and the character's name was Trixie. Yeah. And it just seemed like fate that this word that basically meant faggot mm-hmm. was dropped out of the sky. And for me, the ultimate expression of that would be cross-dressing. And the name happened to be the same name I was, mm-hmm. you know, called. Mm-hmm. And so it was a little bit like the universe giving you, it's like swing away, George, from signs. Yeah. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. take the cue from the universe. Um, and now it's funny because it used to be a word that had a lot of baggage. And now it's like, that's the name that probably will be the meaning of my life when I die. You know, it's the reason I can eat and like yeah. travel the world and yeah. buy a house and all that. It's this slur. No, it's empowering. Yeah. It's empowerment now. Although I will say, I was really close to being cupcake. No. Yeah, no. Trixie. Trixie, uh, the story of the Trixie from, it, which is now empowerment for you, which I see. Yeah. Amazing. From, I remember thinking maybe I'm cupcake because I remember thinking, what if all my looks were like, pastels with like <laughs> frosting and cherries and like it was going to try to do all like baked goods yeah um but you know the Trixie thing really led me to the the barbie thing which makes a lot more sense i mean yes. parodying america's favorite 11 and a half inch fashion doll makes it easy for an audience member to understand what i'm doing yes it's a part of culture that everyone knows because everybody has a barbie story yes and the bottom line is you are Trixie. Like, that's the difference. Like, you're not a gimmick. You're not a cupcake. Yeah. I mean, this is, to me, it was like Trixie Mattel. And I, I envisioned the character to be, you know, very childlike looking and like very child's toy looking, mm-hmm. but with a very dark sense of humor. Right. You know, like, what if you had a Barbie and you pulled the back and she talked about the anxieties of divorce? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. I was like, well, that's yes. yeah. adult content from an instrument everybody understands. What do you think our drag names would be if you had to give us a drag name? God. Um, if we were a duo, a drag duo. Do you want to do that? Yeah, if we were a drag, drag duo. Drag duo. Okay, um, okay, Sunny and Cher. <laughs> but it's Sunny, S-U-N-N-I. And then Chair, C-H-A-I-R-A-I-R. Like Sunny and a chair. Sunny and Chair. So like Spanish-like, Sunny and Chair. And chair, yes. I always thought it'd be funny for a drag queen to be like a chair impersonator who never gets off a chair. It's chair. <laughs> and like, people are like, she's in this gown. Is she going to stand up? And she doesn't. She just scoots yeah. around in the chair. Which one's Sunny and which one's chair? Well, he's the sun, Sunny. Oh, yeah. I'm so, I'm so stupid. Yeah. 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 But you know, ruminate on it. Drag names are hard to come by. I still know people in my life from like, girl, that's your name. <laughs> <laughs> um, and once you once you do it, you're stuck with it too. So okay, Sunny and Cher. Like I have a friend, Sasha Bell. She was Frisbee Jenkins was her name, and then she changed it to Sasha Bell. And in the last few years, she switched it back to Frisbee Jenkins. And she's like, "That's the better name." And I'm like, "It's totally the better name." Yeah, yeah. But she was doing pageants at the time. You can't do pageants with the name like Frisbee, right? Yeah. But I think Frisbee Jenkins is very memorable. Okay, Sunny yeah. and Cher. Sunny I like Cher, that. Yeah. I love dumb names. Like, obviously, I have a friend, Karen from Finance. 
That's an amazing name. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Bob the Drag Queen, that's a great name. Yes. Milk. Milk, yeah. I love the ones that are just so memorable. I love that. RuPaul, but that's her real name. Yes. Yeah. Lady Bunny, that's a great name. Lady Bunny, yeah. How old is Lady Bunny? 500. (laughs) 500, yeah. Has there been like one specific moment you can remember in, in particular that's really just taken you back where you've just said, wow. Oh, yeah. I remember when I first put out my first album, Two Birds, um, you know, I funded it all myself, wrote it all myself, played a lot of the instruments myself. And I was flying to the UK when it came out and I landed in the UK and I was going through customs and my phone was going off and I, I went to iTunes and saw it at the top of the um, sing- like charts. And I was just like, what? The homepage of iTunes, the top charts, top albums that day, mine was number two, mm-hmm. which was like, it, I just couldn't even believe it. Right. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Or when I won Drag Race, I mean, mm-hmm. that was crazy. To be watching TV and see RuPaul go, you're the winner. And I was in this gay bar and there's people screaming. My, my ear, like drums are rattling. And then confetti fell from the sky. And it was like, instead of a moment that felt like it was like a blip, mm-hmm. it felt like that moment was ours. It was like freeze frame. Yes. Like, as somebody who's gay and will probably never have kids and probably not much of a legacy as far as my family, my career is the way I will not ever die. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Trixie is the way I will live on. So for me as like a human, I think it's this, like takes the fear out of mortality a little bit because it's uh, these affirmations that you've left an impact somewhere. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so sad, but it's true. I, I'm actually getting teary-eyed listening yeah. to her. And drag is so stupid. I mean, this is the exact type of behavior yeah. that half the country would have me killed for. Yes. So to have any sort of impact in any of that hmm. is just crazy to me. This art form that I love so much, I did something in it that moved the needle for the people who come after me. Yes. That's crazy. I can only imagine how like RuPaul feels truly creating an industry. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean... Crazy. That's all crazy. It's all crazy good, really. Yeah, or like little moments. Like every time we launch um, a cosmetics product, it sells out the first day and I'm just like, what? Mm -hmm. What? Like, how is this possible? Like all the time, it just feels surreal. And I'm like, you know, I've been able to do like Trixie on this level for like probably five years now and nothing ever becomes um, normal. Nothing ever becomes like, you know, I don't take it for granted because I remember lip syncing for $40. Mm -hmm. I remember being a kid afraid to ask for a Barbie. I remember all of it. So that feels like it was yesterday. You know? It's nice to speak to people that are humble. Yeah. I mean, I'm fucking gorgeous. Right. But you know what I mean, right? There's some people who, who forget all of that. They forget all of that. I don't forget my boyfriend the other day was um, his, uh, his family was asking like, when did you first see Brian perform? And my boyfriend was like, it was so weird because we flew to Seattle for a gig that I had at a bar. And it's like, Brian was up there tap dancing and playing guitar and doing a two hour stand-up show for a couple hundred people. And he thought like, I thought at the time, like I'm about to blow my new boyfriend away because I'm a huge celebrity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the delusion <laughs> is actually helpful. I'm at a bar with folding chairs, like, you're about to gag. I'm a huge celebrity. And then 
you know, he's like, now you're, you know, when you're on a tour with, when you're playing the Wiltern, which is a, a fucking venue Madonna's played. Yes. Yeah. It's so crazy. But you know what? When you imagine things like this happening, you imagine it suddenly happening. And nothing's ever sudden. And so when cool things like that happen, the Wiltern, 1,500 people, sold out, whatever. Yes. I remember every gig and every shitty gig and every time I didn't get paid. I remember I remember every hangover from being a drag queen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's all, it's all really cool. But it's great. I'm very proud of it because I can track how all of it happened because I did it all. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. It's not ancestral wealth. It's not nepotism. Right. It was you. You did it. If you can dream it, you, yep. you know, yeah. don't dream it, be it. Rocky Horror, full circle. Oh. There you go. Yeah. Listen, I want to tell you from this father and son, we you are really an inspiration, Trixie. And you're an inspiration, not just us, for everybody. So we really appreciate the time. And you've given us a really nice ride today. Thank well, you. Well, thank you. You know, I have a podcast too. Um, and I know how much hard work it is just to start. So I, I get it. We appreciate that. Can I say where people can find us? Absolutely. Hi, it's me, Trixie Mattel, the host of My Pops Culture. Um, you can find my podcast, The Bald and the Beautiful, anywhere podcasts are found. Katya and I dissect what it's like to be bald and or beautiful. Trixie, thank you so much. Have a good night, you guys. You too, Trixie. Thanks thank so, so much, much, my dear. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. I refer to you now as chair or to me as sunning? I was hoping for... I don't know. That was that was a kitschy drag name. What's wrong with you? Love kitsch. Your whole thing is kitsch. I know, but I wanted something like more. I don't know what, what I raunchy. Want. Yeah, like maybe maybe. I mean, if we're a father son duo in this drag bit, I don't know if I want a raunchy thing with my dad. No, but if we did the pet name and our street name, like I think there has to be an element of. Well, you don't want to have sex between your father and son, but you know what I'm saying? No. Drag has this bit of a risque to it, risqueness to it. That's what I want to say. A bit more risque than Sunny and Cher. It was still it was still an honor to get a drag name from her. Yes, that's true. We got a drag name right directly from Trixie Mattel. I think I would prefer my drag name of my um what is it? Your pet? Your pet name and, and your first street. So mine would be Dusty Mintwood. Yeah. See, Dusty Mintwood. Sounds like a drag name. Because of the woods in there. Right. The wood and, has and, the and dusty. And dusty. Because it's a dusty wood. Yes. Yeah. And mine mine would be Sushi Lisa. Sushi Lisa's a drag name. I don't love it, but. Well, that's your drag name. Or, right. or you flop it, Lisa Sushi. Lisa Sushi. That's a better name. The better name than Chair. Sony and Chair. Anyways. Yeah. What is your what are your thoughts? Because this is, I'll be honest, this is the first time I have ever interviewed a drag star. I mean, it's not like I interview much drag, so this is my first yes, drag you, star, too. That's good. What, and what are your thoughts? I thought it was a very deep interview. Mm -hmm. I thought she she went to some very deep levels with, with how drag has been normalized, deep levels of what drag means to her, mm -hmm. deep levels about her legacy. It just it just felt very real and, and very, like, it, like, struck a very deep chord. I think she just came to talk to us, and she had no... Guard up. She was just transparent. She was open and she was very aware, meaning aware of where she's come from, aware of her journey, aware of the history of drag. Yeah. And I think, and think she's also just aware of where she fits into that entire picture. Yes. Like that's, you're talking about somebody who is a deep person. Yeah. Shallow people don't know. Like when you're talking about your legacy, 
Mm-hmm. That's a deep thinker. Yeah, I think she was a deep thinker. I think she was also just humble about it as well. Yes. I would I would interview her again because I just really... No, it's like, not an interview. You know when they say you want to have... Who would you go... What is it? A fantasy dinner? Yeah, like if you... Who would you go to dinner with, like dead or alive? Right. Yeah. I would have Trixie Mattel at my fantasy dinner. I, I can second that. Trixie would be a great person around the table. Who else would you have at your fantasy dinner, by the way? My fantasy dinner? Well, is that what it's called? A fantasy dinner? Or what is it called? Fantasy dinner or fantasy guests? Or, or like, like your dream dinner guest? Your dream dinner a guest. Dream dinner dream guest. Di- I thought it was a fantasy dinner. Okay, so you might. I would have Trixie Mattel. Who else? I would have Lucille Ball. Okay. Um, and um, her, I would say Tattoo from Fantasy Island. Hervé Valachez. I would have him at dinner. I was thinking, as, as you were saying fantasy, I kept just getting PTSD flashbacks of you trying to make me do Fantasy Island impressions. I Do you remember your Fantasy Island impression I taught you years ago? I, I, I burned it out of my memory. Remember, you have to do Tattoo from Fantasy Island. I don't have to. Yeah, it's, you go, hey, Buff, what sort of fantasy? We've done this shtick before. I don't but need do to do it with, Okay, but listen, I wonder if you still know it, yeah. okay? Hey, Buff, what sort of fantasy, Buff? Hey, boss, what's your fantasy, boss? There you go. See, once you know it, once yeah. you have... Oh, anyway, so my that's my fantasy right, dinner. Let's... What about yours? So Trixie Mattel, who else? Trixie Mattel. A Mel Brooks would be cool. Oh, I want Mel Brooks in my party. Oh, you've already made your list. Oh, but I want to... Okay, so... You've made uh, your okay, list. But you, we'll can't, can't, you can't make changes we'll to your list. We'll cancel Hervé's Velachez. Why? He sounds so inspirational to you. I want Mel Brooks, too. Okay, anyways, go on. And maybe musician in there. Oh, a musician. KC from the Sunshine Bet? No, like maybe like Kurt Cobain or something. Since when are you into Kurt Cobain? Maybe since when am I into? You've never thing? been into Kurt Cobain. Yes, All I have. of a sudden, you're a grunge. Uh, uh, um, what do you think I was playing on guitar while I was in high school? Yeah, but that's a long time ago. You don't even have any of his albums. I don't have his albums. Don't I, have I have vinyls at home. Anyways, you're going to way off track. You went from we're having. I'm going off track. I you just can't accept that there's something about me that you don't know. Well, I just don't think you're not the t- grunge type of Seattle type of guy. You don't have to you don't have to be dressing in plaid just to be a grungy Seattle guy. You can still listen to Nirvana. Well, the way I'm gonna wrap up this podcast right now is I think that your fantasy dinner is kind of a drag. Well that was a riot, wasn't it folks? Dad, do you really need to speak like that? deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.